What day is it? It's October 3rd. On this episode of Chew Diligence, beer and barbecue. It's two businesses under one roof. Three halves brewing. I had no intention of opening a brewery. You know, that's not my background. It was just kind of one of those things that uh, I took the leap on. And Jousting Pigs Barbecue. I started in competition about six years ago. Um, So I've done that quite a bit. You know, the the way they cook it, um, the love that they put into it, the time that they take on it. I mean, this is, it is, it's it's real deal barbecue. The brew and cue people are lining up for in Liberty. And the brewer who hops. I think I brewed at seven different breweries over the course of six months. I uh, had spent time building a reputation uh, by coming out with a new beer every single week for an entire year. On finding a brewing home. I started off in craft beer just because I love to drink it. I had no idea beer could have that many flavors. On this episode of Chew Diligence, we're so excited to welcome Three Halves Brewing and Jousting Pigs Barbecue to the podcast studio. We have Rodney Beagle, head brewer, John Kennebec, owner of Three Halves Brewing, and John Atwell, co-owner of Jousting Pigs. Welcome, guys, to Chew Diligence. Thanks Thanks for having me. Hey, hey. Man, they have had uh, lines out the door their first couple weeks opening up in Liberty on the Square. Uh, But Jill and I like to start with first the food. So, Jill, there's a little bit of uh, news in the food world in Kansas City. There is. um, I think people are talking about Strang Hall, a new food hall in downtown Overland Park. And this is not the first food hall in town. This is we've had a couple. We've had a couple. Um, But this will be another one. And it's a concept that's spreading for sure. Two of the chefs had a press party at Broadmoor Bistro, which is Shawnee Mission's uh, school district's regular restaurant. They use the kitchen there. And um, it, the two that were announced are Chad Tillman okay. of Norcini. It will be a sandwich pizza concept. And I love Chad, sandwiches and pizza. Yeah. And Chad used to be a butcher. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. A master butcher at Hen House hmm. for many years. And he's been running around doing all kinds of great charcuterie oh. and pop-ups and working at Freshwater and oh. just all kinds of cool things. But he's ready to do his own concept. Very cool. And the other chef? Anarum Thompson, who is um, Laotian, had a food truck for quite a while and has done a lot of Pal Garden stuff with me. And he will take that Laotian food into... Strang Hall. Strang Hall. Do you want to know why it's named Strang Hall? Strangline Road? Well, but who's who's the Strang? Who? Mr. Strang. There you go. He was one of the early founders of Overland Park. There you go. Come to find out. So there you go. Hmm. They will open around Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's coming up pretty soon. And, and Chef's already signed on. Yes. Very oh, cool. And there are more to come. There are five more chefs that will be announced in similar Short doses. Okay. Similar releases, I think, like that. A rollout. I like A it. rollout, yes. Very cool. I like the food hall thing that we have going on in Kansas City. And uh, so now we want to turn to Rodney and John and John. Where do you guys like to go to eat when you're not, you know, busy running a brewery and a barbecue restaurant? Uh, my favorite thing to do is go eat tacos. <laughs> Where do you get tacos? Uh, it depends. Um, love going to margaritas on the boulevard. Uh, if I want a good strong margarita, I'll go across the street to Ponax. Oh yeah. Um, 
there's, you know, different spots around town that uh, on different nights they have the different specials that I've gotten to know a lot. Um, love hanging out on the boulevard. I don't know why, but when I get in my car to go eat, I always end up somewhere down near the boulevard. <laughs> uh, so La Bodega is a, we probably go there once a week for happy hour. I went there recently for happy hour. Mm-hmm. It was really, um, very much had changed the whole patio mm-hmm. area. Very cool. It's I awesome. Thought. Yeah. yeah. Do you sit outside Absolutely. on the street? Yeah. It's a f- kind of the full experience, you know? Yeah, I just, you know, there's so much traffic whizzing by mm-hmm. that I would not have been able to visualize what they've done with that. But I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. They've got, you know, kind of blocked off and sort of segmented, even though the car's on the other side of your chair, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you yeah. don't know that. You think you're in some hip oasis mm-hmm. enjoying wine. and They did a great job. Eating tacos, I take it. Well, they've been consistently good for a long time now. Right. Oh, yeah. Alpandigas, yeah. asiatunas, you know. There you all go. That stuff. No tacos. So where nearby do you get tacos? There's got to be a great place. Nearby the brewery? Nearby um on, on Southwest Boulevard. Oh. Ne- nearby La Bodega, I was thinking. Walking yeah. down the street, which ones do you stop at? Well, it's you know, Manny's definitely. Mm. I love their tacos. They're they're a little different than the other ones. Margaritas on Mondays because they got the chicken taco, buy one, get one special. And then um, whenever I meet up with my mom for happy hour with, with my sons, we usually head up, hit up uh, Ponax. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you had El Gallo ever? I haven't. I have. No. You're good. Definitely awesome. one to check out. You like El Gallo. And uh, Rico Tacos Lupe's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. been to Rico's, but uh, Tacos El Gallo has kind of been the main place that I've been going on Sundays when I want Something non-barbecue. Uh, <laughs> Wait a second. There's barbecue tacos these days. <laughs> right. So how is that not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you need a vegan restaurant is what you need. <laughs> I don't know that I would go that far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Where else do you go? Uh, not many places anymore. Uh, what, you're busy it, or something? It, it got a couple things going on lately. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think the past few Saturday or Sundays after we've been closed – uh, my wife and I will run down to Tacos El Gallo and grab some tacos. Uh, may then head on down to like Stockyard Brewing, nice. hang out down there and listen to the music. And um, you know, it's just kind of a nice little little Sunday to to relax and decompress. And then uh, do that after I go in and do paperwork and things that I neglected during the week or didn't have time to do. All that other business stuff, John Kennebec. What about you? You said Sundays. You guys are closed. You squeeze in a Chiefs game. Um, you know, it, it just depends on kind of what mood, what mood we're in, what time of day it is. So uh, if we're going to do, you know, there's always time for Waffle House. <laughs> yes, there indeed. You know, I've, I've traveled a lot throughout my career. So I've, I'm always, you know, looking for a Waffle House. You get into the South. There's one on each side of the interstate. So we, we do that a lot. Um, you know, if, if we're going out for a brunch or something, Happy Gillis is, a you know, one of our favorites. Mm. We're, we're kind of River Market, Columbus Park kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for a lunch, we'll just kind of cruise around the River Market and just, you know, stop in, you know, any place. El own. you know, we, we like pizzas, um, f- uh, farmhouse, um, you know, great places. And if it's going to be my wife and I, we, we try to go to Garozzo's, mm. you know, and, and, and get Italian food. She loves Italian food. Um, their food's fantastic, great drinks, great atmosphere. We just really like that place. I mean, it's just kind of, one of those places where we've, we started going there for our anniversary and it's just kind of turned into, you know, a date night type place and for us and, and just kind of gets us out away from, you know, everything. It does have a really great ambiance. It does. It, it does. And it? then, and then right around the corner is the North End. 
So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go hang out there and, and get a, a shrimp boil on a Friday night or something like that. You know, just kind of a – I hate the word, I hate the phrase hole-in-the-wall type place, but it's just, you know, it's kind of an off-the-beaten-path, um, you know, cool little little joints. So yeah, Hidden we, we really, gym? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, really, we really dig that place. We're not big um, – again, with all of my travels, I've done about everything as far as food's concerned and – Honestly, I'd rather just go to the low key, you know, off the beaten path, hidden gems, just places where I know I'm going to get a solid, a solid plate of food, a solid cocktail or or, or beer, you know, just just the the cool places that aren't overly crowded. Is it important for um, you to have a relationship with the person you're, or place you're going to, or do you just like to be anonymous when you oh, head out? I'm as anonymous as they get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah. No. I don't. I don't. I, I doubt that's true, though, at the brewery, right? Um, it, Where everybody yes. knows your name? Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's increasingly hard to – it's getting increasingly harder to sneak in and sneak out, mm. you know, if I just want to run in and check on the guys or, or, you know, holler at Rodney for something. You know, it usually takes me 10 minutes to walk. If, if, we're, if we're busy, it's 20 to 30 minutes just to get from one end to the other because everybody wants to stop, talk to you, and ask you how things are going and – give you their opinions, um, you know, and, and just let you know what they're doing and how they like stuff, you know, just things like that. So, yeah, it's 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 becoming increasingly difficult to be, you know, just a face, just to be anonymous. Well, let's talk a little bit about the concept that you guys are dealing with, which I think is so cool. If you're listening going, why are they having a barbecue restaurant and a brewery on? It's because this is not a barbecue pop-up in a brewery. I mean, you guys are doing something a little bit differently. Kind of explain, is, is this two businesses in one? How would you describe yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, it's it's two businesses under one roof. Um, you know, it, it kind of started as I had no intention of opening a brewery. You know, that's not my background. It was just kind of one of those things that uh, I took the leap on. Um, was actually looking for packaging equipment, and you know, was looking for a canning line. So I ended up finding this one just a couple miles from my house. Um, you know, was talking to the owners and and. Just like you know, what? Let's just do it. Let's buy a brewery. Let's let's just make this thing happen. My wife maybe wasn't a hundred percent on board, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, and she still may not be a hundred percent on board. But she's been very very supportive, and you know, um, I could have done it without her. But uh, originally, you know, we've we've gone through several um, evolutions of this process, and that you know, originally just going to do a tap room, and then talking to a lot of friends in the industry, you got to you know, they said food will make you more successful. So then. We were going to do the food ourselves, kind of farm to market, you know, uh, Neapolitan style pizza, which again, I have no experience in that. So we were kind of shooting from the hip. Obviously, we're going to lean on consultants and, and friends and things like that. But uh, John Atwell was uh, going in across the uh, across the street, essentially from us, about a block down the road, and they ran into some issues with their uh, um, with their building and a mutual friend. Shot me a text one night and said, hey, you got to meet this guy. So, you know, we, we got together and, and uh, put, some, put some pencils to paper and, and kind of got a deal worked out in principle. And I was like, hey, man, this all works in theory, but I got to try the food. You know, so they had had a catering deal. I think it was a Monday night. He brings, you know, some brisket and some uh, ribs and pulled pork and, and banana pudding, you know, brings kind of the full gamut in. And, and I, I mean, I was just like, holy cow. Yeah, this is this is the real deal. This it is my kind of barbecue. You know, this is what I like. You know, the, the way they cook it, um, the love that they put into it, and the time that they take on it. I mean, this is it is it's it's real deal barbecue. I've got to tell you, I've had the chance to go try jousting pigs. First off, 
I am thrilled that you guys are in Liberty and my hometown where my family is. And clearly Liberty is too, because when we showed up for the first pop-up, but three weeks before you guys open line well out the door. And I don't think that was the first time that had happened. And it happened every pop-up since, uh, the barbecue, the brisket, the brisket, John, with that peppery, thick char and thick pieces of brisket. What made you decide that's the way that you wanted to do your barbecue? And what's your barbecue story? Uh, I started in competition about six years ago. Um, so I've done that quite a bit. Uh, Rod, my business partner that helps me run the restaurant, I met him at the second contest that I ever did, which was actually in Liberty at the St. James Catholic Church there. Ah. Uh, so it's kind of a nice, mm-hmm. you know, roundabout way to come back, you know, home essentially. Um you know, he kind of helped show me the ropes on how to do competition barbecue. We cooked together a bunch. We cooked against each other a bunch. And then um, when I had the opportunity to open the restaurant at well, the other location, um, I, he was the first person that I reached out to to say, hey, you know, this is this. I got this opportunity. Do you want to come join me? And uh, he took a leap of faith with me. And, and here we are now. Uh, I mean, now it's been about a year and a half since we had that kind of that first initial opportunity at the other place that fell through. Um, but what really kind of solidified how I wanted to do this style of barbecue, my wife and I went down to Austin, Texas for, uh, the week before Thanksgiving, just kind of a, a mini vacation, um, before we were getting ready to go with the restaurant. I was debating, you know, do I want to do an old school offset style smoker? Do I want to get a commercial rotisserie style smoker? And we went down there, waited in line at Franklin's for like four hours and, <laughs> you know, made friends with all the people that were around us and, you know, drank coffee and then coffee switched to beers and then <laughs> beer switched to barbecue. And, you know, you just took that bite and I was like, holy cow, there's no place in Kansas City that does it this way. And then um, uh, my wife actually went to high school with Tyler Harp. And so Tyler was gracious enough to let me kind of come down, help him for a few weekends while he was doing his pop-ups, kind of see how they do it. Um, and and kind of learn a little bit about how he structured it. Uh, so he was definitely a big big help in in getting us going. And then and he told me about you when yeah. he was sitting in that chair. Yeah, Tyler Tyler's a great guy. So I'm you know very lucky to have have met him and been able to um, you know learn from him and and work with him and help each other out. So you know that's I think the barbecue community has been the most amazing part about this. Um, you know. The Pierce Brothers with Slaps Barbecue. I I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I texted texted Joe. I was like, hey, I got a question for you real quick. It wasn't 15 seconds later he's calling me. And, you know, we were looking at point of sales and all that, and he invited us. Field trip. To, yeah. <laughs> Tasty field trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my second day, I think, after I'd quit my day job, and we're, we're running out to Slaps to, to check out a point of sale, eat barbecue, and then we went to two different breweries. <laughs> and so my wife's just like, okay, you – you know, you don't just get to play when you do this. Like, there's, there's work that has to be done. It's Research. a business meeting. It can be written yes, off. Exactly. Right. Um, so I I have a question for you um, that Tyler actually brought up, or I, maybe not. Uh, I want you to comment on more than a question. Um, he says the trend is, and I had not really picked up on this, that barbecue and beer, which we know go perfectly together, but they go mm. perfectly together as business partners because you guys need the food and you need beer and a place to do that. So he, he suggested we're going to see more of more breweries doing this kind of combination, bringing some kind of food in and 
I don't know if it'll always be barbecue, but tell me a little bit about that. Are you starting to see that? Because for a while we were seeing everybody come off the competition circuit and open their own place. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to see, oh, all the hot guys are, they're in breweries. (laughs) I think there's definitely some truth to that. Um, You know, I think it, it worked very, very well for Tyler. It's working very well for us, for us here. Um, I think the breweries, you definitely need to have that food, that additional draw that, you know, get them out there. Like we want something for dinner, but then, okay, well, we've got beer here too. So let's try, you know, one of the great beers that they've got on tap or try something different. Um, I definitely think you're going to see a lot more tap rooms and some sort of food pairing. I think barbecue is just a really good pairing with that, but you know, you can't oversaturate the market with just one option of food. I mean, I think a taco stand in a brewery would be a great combination Ooh. too because yeah. you know you open up for a chiefs game and you can eat you know tacos and drink beer and watch you know pat mahomes throw all over everybody it seems like a great combination to <laughs> me but i think you put just about anything with great beer or great cocktails in a cool setting and i think that that will will draw people in i would agree 100 percent, and would agree that you know i would pair anything with barbecue hmm. you know I, i'll drink kool-aid with barbecue <laughs> you know it, uh, it doesn't matter Bar- great barbecue it's just it's one of those things that's hard to beat i have to imagine just... as a business owner for each of you two it's got to be a relief to be able to focus on the one product and then be able to make both of them really great absolutely yeah that's been the that has been the biggest um saving grace for me in, in being, you know, essentially the sole owner of the company is not having to worry about that, that, that rigorous restaurant side of it. You know, the brewing side of it is difficult. It's time consuming, you know, and Rodney's doing a great job with this or for us on that aspect, but just, just to not have to have that, that constant worry of, you know, staffing and, and ordering and, you know, keeping everything fresh and keeping everything clean, you know, on the kitchen side of it is it's yeah. Huge weight off my back. Well, and they're both pretty laborious processes, too, on their yeah. own, right? And the timing for each is pretty intense. Yes. Yeah, it would. I mean, in my opinion, it would be it would be nearly impossible for one person to have done, you know, both of these projects as a, as a singular owner without having, you know, especially with me not having a lot of experience in the industry um, would have been. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't sleep. <laughs> so what kind of pit are you using? Right now we have a, a thousand gallon propane tank that had been converted into a smoker. It's wow. named uh, Oppo. 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 Uh, we did a little contest. Oppo. On I Facebook. like the name. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was the the jouster that rode a pig in Game of Thrones. His name was Oppo. Oh. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Game of Thrones lives on. Yes. <laughs> and it is. It's it's glorious. It really is. It's a thing of beauty. Yeah, a work of art. Yeah, it was uh, an adventure to get it down here and get it in place, <laughs> and then getting the smokehouse built around it has been another adventure, um, but it's now all done, all construction is complete, finally, and uh, so we had to use a commercial smoker in the kitchen for about a week um, while while that all that construction was being done, and that was a heck of a lot more work than that putting everything on the big thousand gallon that we've got to feed logs into because hmm. it was much smaller. So Rod would come in in the morning about 4.30, take the pork butts off from the night before, load it all back up with ribs and turkey and sausage for the day. We'd cook that until right before lunch rush. Then he'd fill it back up with, we'd fill it back up with briskets. Those would cook until the evening, until right before I'd leave. We'd load it up with brisk or with pork for the evening. I'd go home, pray, you know, 
pray that everything got done in time so when Rod came in in the morning, he could pull everything off again and we could just start this cycle again. So we had it pretty much running full of meat for 24-7 for a week straight, and it was mentally and physically exhausting. How did word get out? Did you guys have a line your first pop-up? Oh, yeah, we, we grossly had, I mean, underestimated. With, <laughs> if, if, I mean, if, if you're familiar with Liberty and where we're located, our line was up to the courthouse, which is about a block, a little <laughs> over a city block, plus, you know, plus what was inside. It was, yeah, it was, it was a little overwhelming. I mean, honestly, because we, I mean, we, you know, we, we didn't, we were selling beer, but it wasn't our beer because we didn't have it ready. So I wasn't as adamant about me sitting there talking to people. So I was, I was busting. I was taking, you know, plates out to people. I mean, we had people scattered everywhere, and it was. I would say the first week was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but um, only you knew that, I'm sure. <clears throat> right, right. I think it was maybe a little evident at times. <laughs> Yeah, the, the pop-ups were nice because we got to work on our processes. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'd, we'd hired some guys to help us with the marketing aspect of us and, of it, and they did an incredible job. Yeah. And so I was back in the kitchen kind of talking to everyone, like, what we were going to do, the flow and all that. And I think it was John that came back, and he goes, uh, just so you know, there's a there's a line all the way up the stairs out there, up the block. And I'm just like, I did not cook enough food for today. <laughs> yeah. And it was – well, and then you combine that with – so my last day at my day job was that Friday before our first pop-up. Hmm. I left oh, no. a half a day early. <laughs> what was the day job, by the way, or what uh, line of work? I was an accountant uh, for Truman Med Center. Wow. And uh, so I left there about 1, got in to the restaurant a little before 2, going to the walk-in cooler, and everything's 65 degrees in there. So I have to throw <gasps> everything in the cooler out. I ran to Sam's, bought all new food, bought we made all new sides, Prepped all new everything. Ugh. I end up, I cook until 6.30 in the morning. Rod, my business par- partner, gets there because he'd been there until probably 10.30 or 11 with me trying to get everything going. And uh, I go home. I power nap for about an hour. My wife comes, picks me back up, and then we do the do the first pop-up. And then I, I don't know how, but I still somehow managed to go out and have a have a beer with Tyler Harp afterwards at like <laughs> 8 o'clock in the evening. War stories. you got to talk about those war yeah. stories, right? You know, I mean, I'll say it, it didn't go smoothly the first day, which we didn't, and you didn't. I didn't figure it would, but everybody was very gracious, very, you know, very understanding. Didn't really have anybody get, you know, too uptight. Um, you know, people were waiting quite a while, waiting a long time in line, waiting a long time to get their food, you know. But we, again, kind of rookies. You know, we're, we're, learn, we're trying to learn this thing, but at week two, we went from about a 10-minute ticket time to about a two-minute ticket time. It was, mm. You know, it was like night and day, and these guys knocked it out of the park. I mean, they did a great – I mean, every week they're knocking it out of the park with the food. I mean, the food – again, you know, I'm, I'm a barbecuer. You know, I've got a, sm- I've got a smoker at my farm that's half the size of John's big smoker sitting on a trailer that we go around and just play with a little bit. We got bored one weekend. We're like, hey, let's go out to the pasture and make a smoker. <laughs> so we went and found a tank, got a plasma cutter and a, and a welder and just started cutting on stuff. And next thing you know, we've got this big, ugly – piece of red neckery that, you know, we kind of just did. Um, but I can cook pretty good brisket, not as good as these guys, but, you know, I'm 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 one of the taste testers. I'll let him know. <laughs> well, and you appreciate the work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, there's been lots of nights I'll, I'll start cooking at 9 o'clock at night if we've got, a you know, something for church or something for, for uh, the company I used to work for. Um, we would do, you know, we'd feed up to 200 people, and I would start cooking at about 8, 9 o'clock at night and just go right through to 11 o'clock in the morning, throw it in the... Throw it in the coolers. We don't have the fancy warmers that, you know, like restaurants do, but we'd throw it in coolers, take it, and start cutting meat. And, you know, like I said, you, something about it when you get done with that, you're exhausted, but you can still go drink a beer. <laughs> <laughs> to wind down. Yeah. You, you've been talking about your travels. Where, what is, what's that 
entail? Uh, um, so we owned a popcorn business for 20, I don't know, 20 some years. My, huh. my, my dad started at 91. Um, and I was blessed enough for him to allow me to come to work for him. You know, he's, he's, he's my mentor. He's kind of taught me everything that I know. Um, and we sold popcorn to every corner of the earth. You know, I've, I've been around the world two or three different times, spent a lot of time in Korea, a lot of time in India, um, just a little bit of time in Germany, uh, just, you know, South America, a lot of time in South America. So yeah, I've, I've been, um, I've been around the world back and, you know, we've, we've, uh, been blessed and had the opportunities to go to all of the corners of the United States. I've eaten at, you know, some of the finest restaurants in the United States. Um, you know, just, just all over the place. Yeah. So it, we sold our business in 2015 to one of our competitors, I went to work for them for a few years, moved to Nebraska for uh, a year and a half, and four blizzards later, we're like, yeah, let's go back to Kansas City. <laughs> I was, so you grew up here? Running... I, I spent 20, 25 years in Trenton, Missouri, which is about an hour and a half north. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where our business was located. I mean, I'm, I've kind of dotted over the Midwest, you know, from the time I was born till I was 14 years old, and then we landed in Trenton when I was 14, and, and dad started the business there, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Is this a popcorn company we know by name? Uh, the, our, our popcorn company was K and W popcorn. We, we did mostly private label stuff, but I mean, we were, we were, we were packaging for Trader Joe's. We were packaging for, you know, several, several of the main mainstream or organic popcorn was our thing. We were the largest organic popcorn producers in the world. Wow. Based in Trenton or not in Trenton, Missouri. Had no idea. Did you? No. Most no, people I, didn't. I did not. And I didn't even know popcorn, it's popular all around all around the world. Oh yeah. It's it's a yeah. it's a it's um it's a developing snack. I mean it, it uh <laughs> I like that. It, 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 third world countries are just now getting into popcorn. Because oh, wow. you know, I it, thought it was a, a kind of an American thing, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah. But okay. it's it's a cheap snack. Cost per serving yeah. is I mean, it's the cheapest snack you can buy. And good for except you. Except for at the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's also one of their highest margin products, you know, at the movie theater. So you know, it's it's yeah, it, it's it's very good for you. Whole grain, um, you know, depending on how you pop it and what you put on it is, you know, depending. Put lots on, of butter on it, and then, well, you know, well, butter's good for you. <laughs> it there you is go. Good. It's, I it think comes so. from milk. I think so. So that's hey. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> that is interesting, uh, Rodney. Hi. We should talk about Rodney's journey. Now, Rodney, if you were hearing uh, John Atwell talk about Rod, help me do this and that, you're not talking about Rodney. There are two Johns and two Rods in this equation, aren't there? Yeah, we have uh, <laughs> John Atwell, John Kennebec, Rod Blackburn, and Rodney Beagle. Rodney Beagle. Head so you just holler brewer. out John or Rod when you come in the restaurant, and you're going to find one of us. <laughs> yep. So, Rodney, uh, Jill has been talking about you for a long time. Well, I, I found Rodney when he was still uh, a gypsy. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and then how you how you found a home. Sure. Uh, it's a really fun story. I, I I started off in craft beer just because I love to drink it. I had no idea beer could have that many flavors. Uh, so from the time I was probably, I don't know, 22, 23, I started um, exploring different flavor combinations in beers and seeing what would go what would pair best and with food and stuff like that. Um, got a job at Gordon Beers in the Power and Light when they opened bartending. Uh, that's where I fell in love with the process of brewing. Uh, James was uh, the head brewer there, and he would answer any question I ever had. So from there, um, started going to Big Rip Brewing Company in North Kansas City whenever they first opened. Um, I remember it was their second weekend open, and I rode by on my bike. They hadn't done any advertising whatsoever, and I popped in. And thought I was the luckiest kid in the world because I had a brewery right down the street from where I just moved, and nobody knew about it. I, you know, I thought it was the little diamond in the rough. 
Uh, but then going there every weekend that they were open, they were only open Friday, Saturdays. I'd be there every day that they were open. And finally, after a few months, uh, when they were ready to hire an employee other than the owners <laughs> behind the bar, uh, I was their first pick. And from there, it took about a year for me to notice the homebrew equipment that was sitting on the shelves and uh, collecting dust. So I asked to borrow it. And they said, of course, you can borrow it. Go make great beer. Um, eight, eight months later, I was winning competitions, um, entering my beers all over the United States in different competitions and, and doing pretty well in those, getting some great feedback and learning how to hone my craft. Um, when I started winning medals is when they invited me to be their assistant brewer. Uh, so then I got to be a glorified janitor for a year and a half <laughs> and wash kegs and sweep floors and clean tanks and, you know, do all that stuff that, that preps a, a young a young apprentice into, is this really what you want to do? Because, you know what they say, uh, brewing beer is 90% cleaning and 10% brewing. Hmm. So uh, once I learned that I liked cleaning stuff, and <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I like I liked the process and, and how I was helping with the, with the brewing process by cleaning. Um, so uh, from the, then on, uh, Colony... KC opened in Northtown. Um, I sought after that just to be a bartender, just to have a second gig over there. And they hired me on when they first opened uh, with absolutely no plan of opening a brewery whatsoever until about a year into it. Um, me coming from a brewing background at Big Rip at that point and having success as a home brewer, all my friends would, and regulars would come in and say, where is your beer? You know, I thought that you were going to have your beer here. And after hearing that about a thousand times, uh, the owners and I sat down and said, well, let's throw, let's do a Kickstarter, see the the reaction, you know, that the public has. We set a $10,000 goal. We reached it in three days. Um, ended up with about 18, 17, 18 grand at the end of our 30-day campaign. And that's when we just decided we're, we're going for it. Uh, I built a tiny brewery in the back uh, from scratch. We were using um, plastic fermenters um, that are used to like house biodiesel and stuff like that. But they're 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 food ready and uh, food approved, so they work just fine. And my little uh, Frankenstein brewery that I built, um, uh, and then from there, uh, their focus went a little away from the brewing and they wanted to focus more on the music venue that was there at Colony. Um, being as multifaceted as they were, um, everything was kind of competing against each other. They had a brewery, the restaurant, the coffee shop, and the music venue all under one roof. Uh, they just decided to go towards the music venue side because that's the owner's background and where they came from. And that turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life because I uh, had spent time building a reputation uh, by coming out with a new beer every single week for an entire year uh, at Colony and kind of built a little following. Um, I decided to take that following to another level. I had made so many friends in the brewing industry that I decided to do what they call gypsy brewing or nomad brewing, um, which is where I take my ideas and my recipes and brew them on other breweries, brew houses and throw tap parties and, and invite all my friends and throw a party for the release and everything like that. 
So that worked out great. I think I brewed at seven different breweries over the course of six months. Um, had a had great responses every single time. My beers got weirder and weirder. Uh, I think I freedom to experiment. Well, yeah, I, I put morel mushrooms in a beer at Grain. <laughs> that was so much fun. And he did a fantastic lemon balm grisette out Ooh. at Pal Gardens, which was on tap for that, a while. That was probably my favorite project to work on. Seriously? Definitely. Oh, man, that was so fun. To ha- That's the first time I met Rodney, actually, mm-hmm. was out at Pal Gardens, in the gardens with Haley Drake, who's the horticulturalist. And mm-hmm. it was just a... Michael Crane was there too, and he's like, "I want you to meet Rodney. He's gonna he's gonna help out making this beer because um, Michael was gonna be the Crane Brewing was gonna be featured, and we just walked around in kind of circles, didn't we, mm-hmm. for a while, tasting things. He was taking notes. It was so much fun. I just saw them crouching down and this touching this, tasting that, and uh, I had yeah. lots of plants stuck in my teeth after that, <laughs> yeah. but exactly. I, got, I got them out. Yeah, and it turned out so well because he took off. Did his whatever calculations, whatever creativity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had one more meeting with um, Michael Faust about what the food was going to be, so that that would match up well. Mm-hmm. And uh, then had he came out in August, and it was just awesome to be able to introduce a beer. Now, did you did you end up using wild yeast from Powell Gardens? I was never. No, really we clear captured some to kind of do some tests with. Yeah, and none of that stuff really turned out viable. Yeah. After after the way that we stored it. So mm. that's kind of our bad, but it's definitely doable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So how did, how did you meet up with Three Halves Brewing then? Yeah. So uh, John was on his hunt for uh, to find a head brewer. And uh, yeah, I'll let I'll let John talk a little bit about that. Um, so, yeah, when uh, when we jumped into this deal feet first, I'm like, well, you know, I don't I've never made beer before. So I've got to find somebody who can and somebody who's qualified. Uh, and it was a, about a three month long search, maybe a little bit longer. All I know is it was really, really cold out the first time Rodney came in for an interview. And when I hired him, it wasn't cold anymore. So it, <laughs> it was, you know, it took a while. Uh, and we, and we interviewed, you know, many, many qualified candidates and, and many, many that maybe weren't as qualified. And, and, uh, I can't remember how I got Rodney's phone number. Hmm. I think it was Spencer. The, the former brewer at uh, the, the, the the establishment that was there before us, um, I had gotten to know him a little bit, and, and he highly recommended Rodney. He said he's probably somebody you should get to know and, and interview him. He said whether you don't hire him, whether you hire him or not, you know, he's still a good resource. So Rodney came in. I think I interviewed him three times. Um, I could be a little OCD sometimes about that kind of stuff. Um, maybe a little indecisive at times as well when it comes to that kind of stuff, just because I'm, you know, I was taught that, you know, you, you, you think and you think and you think and you think, you know, and, and, and until you can't think about it anymore, and then you keep thinking about it until you, you know, until you exhaust every thought and every, you know, every, every option and everything. So, yeah, it, and it was actually, I was actually on vacation um, for my folks' 50th wedding anniversary when I made the decision. My dad and I were, were visiting about it, um, kind of run through the candidates with him. And, you know, telling him, you know, this is who I've got. This is who we're looking at. And, you know, it's telling him about Rodney. He's like, you got your guy. You just don't know it. Hmm. He said, you just need to make the call. You know, he said, quit him hauling around and, and make up your mind. He said, and that's when that's where the diamond in the rough thing came from. You know, Rodney's our diamond in the rough, spelled R-U-F-F, because his last name's Beagle. <laughs> so that was, you know. <laughs> that, that's our hazy hazy IPA that we have on tap Yeah, right it's now. called Diamond in the Rough, oh. named after Rodney Beagle. So, I like um, that. Yeah. No, it's a, he just told me, he's like, you got a diamond in the rough here, and you need to just run with it. He's going to be a great brewer. He's going to do a great job for you guys, you know, so, you, so just get it done. 
So you just needed to make sure that it was the right fit for you. I mean, I think that's important in business, yeah. right? Yeah, and you I know? had to have my dad's approval. <laughs> that too. It's always nice when the parents say, good yeah. job. Right? No, it was. It was just, you know, and and, and fortunately the, um, the federal government had kind of delayed us a little bit on getting our brewer's notice to actually start making beer. So that was, you know, that kind of gave me a little bit of breathing room. Because, again, I mean, it's something that I'm not familiar with, and I've been talking to several people, several people in the industry, and, you know, some, you know, we've got some resources here in Kansas City that, you know, are, are top in the world in the beer industry. So, you know, mm. talking to those guys, um, uh, you know, and, and then the help I've received, you know, from people has been, you know, great in that aspect. I mean, we've worked with uh, Neil Witte, who is one of 11 master Cicerones in the world. Um, we've worked with Josh Ian's with What a Treat Consulting, and he also owns Happy Gillis. I mean, he's he's helped us out, and you know, he and Rodney were were acquaintances from prior endeavors. Um, you know, so that that helped in my decision making, you know, quite a bit. But uh, yeah, just to have that wealth of knowledge right at our fingertips has been pretty handy. So, since you've been working together, what are the qualities that you see Rodney bringing that you're excited about? Drive. Mm. Okay. Drive. I mean, he's driven. He's, you know, he was there till midnight last night. Mm-hmm. Got there at, you know, 10 o'clock, worked till midnight, you know, and then, and I've been putting in, you know, not as many hours as he has, but I did that up front, building it out. We were literally wrapping up construction work 30 minutes before we, 30 minutes before we opened. I was like, Man. hey guys, I got to go home. I stink. So I, you know, <laughs> and then had people tell me I was like a homeless guy because my hair was all like, you know, tattered and beard was all bushy. I mean, you guys wouldn't recognize me three weeks ago. <laughs> I hadn't had a haircut in three weeks and hadn't shaved and probably, or three months and hadn't shaved in about that long as well. So I was I was looking a little rough and I'm yeah I probably stunk a little bit that day that we opened. So I ran home, took a shower. Um, but no, his his passion, his drive. You know, we've had to uh, you know being in Liberty, it's a little bit smaller market. You know, we're not going to draw the the. We'd like to draw as many people as we can. We'd like to get people from KC and 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 in the in the Kansas side it's to come not up. That far away. Tell people that at all, <laughs> and we're getting. Modot you know, isn't helping us at all, right? No, Modot's not helping us with all the construction work. You know, but but we're we're getting through it. You know, um, I you know Rodney and I sat down and kind of developed our vision of what we wanted to do, and and you know I told him, hey, we may not be able to do a morel mushroom ale as our first beer, <laughs> or or a right. cotton candy you know um, milkshake IPA as our first beer. So you know we've done some you know some a little bit lighter, you know a little bit more. Easier drinking, you know, for approachable. approachable, approachable for folks who may not be as in tune to the craft beer scene. But we've also done some stuff that's, you know, kind of out there, not, not necessarily out there, just no. more traditional with craft beer. Um, and, and it's coming, you know, we're going to unleash the beast. We're going to let him do his thing. <laughs> uh, we just we just kind of had to get our our uh, our feet wet. We had to crawl before we could walk. You know, we, we just had to get our, our base built up and, and you know, and, and yeah. That's that's where we're at. And do you guys see? Are, are you already doing or seeing in the future playing off the beer and the barbecue together and flavors or anything like that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, beer cheese soup coming up soon. Ooh. Or not soup. Beer brats. Beer, beer, beer brats. Yeah, beer cheese for dipping whatever ribs, mm. fries. Hopefully pretzels one day. Um, your finger, a spoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I'll drink it. I can, brew, I can brew a burnt-in beer if you want me to. <laughs> I love that. Okay. There's burnt-in ice cream. Why not? Try it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. So talk about the vision, though. When you sit down and you envision what – I mean, it's one thing to just make beer, but then what kind of beer do you want to make and what kind of impact do you want to have? So what's that vision? Yeah, I think that's one of the 
one of the most challenging things I've had to tackle is to kind of switch up my brew style mm-hmm. to um, accommodate the great folks of Liberty. Um, I did a lot of hand in air quotes market research in Liberty, um, and I'd go to the the different bars around town and see what everybody was drinking, see what everybody preferred, talk to people, um, ask them, you know, if they knew anything about the old brewery there and have they heard anything about the new brewery? And I was kind of going incognito and doing some research and having some beers with the folks of Liberty. And since I uh, have lived the past six years in North Kansas City, Liberty is kind of a, it, it's a new world up there. Uh, for It's growing and changing a lot. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's growing fast. Mm-hmm. But uh, to try to, to try to target in on the demographics uh, preferences has, has proved really challenging. Um, so we went with, you know, our original vision was to start off with something light, something hoppy, and something dark. We said, okay, we'll have three beers on tap that'll cover the spectrum. Everybody will be happy. But then I messed around and brewed two different light beers that are selling like hotcakes now, mm-hmm. too. So those get added to the year-round beers, and mm-hmm. we're finding out just through, just through uh, sales uh, what we should be brewing more of. And what we should be brewing less of. Can I can I interject as a people with lots of friends and family there brew everything? Cause yeah. that, you know what I mean. Like, yes. Yeah. There's not just. I mean, they want they want good beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter what it is, right? Ultimately, it's just good beer. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a, that's our that's our vision is to make great beer. You know. Um. But it's it's just been we've we've the the first three weeks has been market research per se as well. Um. The stout turned out to be you know. An incredible beer. You know, it's been our highest rated, best one of our best selling beers. And I mean, I don't think we probably expected that. Um, not in the middle of summer. Not in the middle That's of summer. Sure. But we, I mean, people love it. I mean, it's just going, going. It's a little going fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's me snapping my fingers. Uh, <laughs> then we did a, a pail that he snuck in on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was doing it. I come in one Monday and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm brewing. I was like, what are you making? He's like, I snuck a pail in. <laughs> didn't tell me what I was doing. I was like, "That's fine, that's fine," and it turned out perfect. I mean, it was incredible. It was, it's one of my favorite beers, and then now it's gone. So. <laughs> there's more. Uh, in the first there's minute. more. Yep, there, there, we'll be kegging more this week, uh, and then it's been one. It, I think it was our fastest one to sell out. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was gone in I think less than a, about a week. It was here and gone. So um, we're probably going to keep it on a little bit longer. Um, and it, it, you know, again, it's just it's great beers. That's what we want to do. Well, I'm imagining kind of with you know, like Harp and Crane, that you guys could become a destination from all over town or wherever for good beer and good barbecue. Mm-hmm. The combo, the one stop shop. That's the plan. Right? We do have two beers on tap right now that we're meant to pair with the barbecue. Oh, um, one is an iced tea ale, and iced tea ale, uh-huh. love it. <laughs> and the other one is a. Lemonade sour. Oh yeah. Can you see where I'm going with this? I can. Two beers meant to be poured into one glass. Oh, it's like an adult shandy. Arnold Palmer, like yeah. a shandy type deal. Yeah, yeah, and Very that fabulous. the tartness of the lemon and the earthiness of the tea just pairs so perfectly with Tea's the barbecue. Incredible. I mean the tea. The tea turned out perfect. I was. It, it was a collaboration with uh, was Anna Marie's teas. Anna Marie's on, teas. On Liberty Square. Right there in little Liberty. company. Oh, nice. Yeah. Block and a halfway from us. Um, so yeah, Rodney went down and, and met those those fine folks and did a collaboration with them. And turns and, out uh, they had an award winning iced tea blend. Huh. Yeah. At a at the world tea competition. So really. I said, well, this was a match made in heaven. Let's do it. We are you know, learning a lot today. I know. <laughs> and the tea bodes well, too, because we're kind of on that, you know, south-north deal, so we can get the tea drinkers, you know, sweet tea versus 
mm. unsweetened tea. We had right. a gentleman in uh, from a uh, nationally televised hunting show Saturday night. Hal Schaefer was his name, and he's with Drop Zone is the name of the show on uh, the Outdoor Channel. And he drank that tea beer, the iced tea ale, and I thought he was going to come out of his chair. <laughs> I mean, he's like, that's, that's, my he's, new, he, that's my new official beer. He said, that's, that's, that's beer for the South. That's sweet tea ale. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have to try this. Where is he from? Short Alabama? Uh, North Alabama. Carolina. Alabama, North, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina, I think, is where, he, where he's originally from, Alabama, but I think he's, he's living in North so Carolina. So if he likes it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got to be good. Yeah. And sure. then he tried the banana pudding, and I can't really say what he said about that. <laughs> it was a, so a positive good, thing? Huh? Yeah. A very, very positive <laughs> thing. Yeah. 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 Now, what have you been selling out of barbecue wise? What goes first? Burn ins. Uh, so you have burn ins on the menu? We do have them on the menu when, when they last. And the thick brisket. You know, how yep. do you do both? Uh, we get the, the points that come pre separated so we can cook the points on their own. Um, to, to make the burn-ins, but then we still are able to do... So, I mean, in theory, you can get, get brisket three ways from us. You can get the fatty kind of Texas-style cut, you can get the lean cut, or you can get the burn-ins, or you can get all three. Ooh. So we, we want to start doing, um, probably on like Saturday special, do some of the beef, the big beef ribs, um, just as kind of something unique. And then uh, just yesterday, we were playing around doing some pork belly burn-ins, just kind of as a way to to supplement them. So we smoked them down, um, then cubed them up, deep fried them, and tossed them in sauce, and they were they were awesome. So I called it meat candy. That's exactly what it tasted like. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah, we were, I was pretty happy with how they turned out. For I mean, just a first run of it, just to see how it went, and and we were just kind of giving samples out to people that were in for lunch, and it was a hit, and handing them out to the staff and. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the mini perks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about your rub, John? Is it pretty simple, salt and pepper? Is it pretty intricate, lots of spices? Uh, I think it's fairly simple. It's not, you know, just salt and pepper, but it is primarily salt, pepper. Um, we have a little bit of cayenne and cumin. Um, we have some ground fennel seed um, and some ground celery seed. But for the most part, it's pretty simple. And then for the what we put on ribs and pork butt uh, and burn-ins, it's just basically that same base beef rub that we have, but we just add some brown sugar, some white sugar, and some turbinado sugar to it. Uh, and then kind of the same thing with sauce. It's, you know, we do a little bit, you know, we have some vinegar in there, so there's more than just kind of that uh, molasses or ke- and ketchup in there, um, but it's not an overpowering vinegar flavor. I kind of, coming from that competition background, you kind of want that good balance of everything in there to kind of, uh, it's definitely a, a, a sweet sauce and i don't know that you would think it's any different than any other kansas city style sauce but we don't do a ton of a ton of uh molasses or anything in there but we still kind of get that that texture and consistency we are working on a sauce or a hot sauce because i think that's probably been the most requested thing that i've been asked since we've been open is is when when are you going to have a hot and so we're working on that right now um hopefully here fairly soon be able to get that and then i think we're going to look at getting getting some of it co-packed one so or my poor prep cooks aren't having to make like ten gallons of sauce a day. Are you making it every day? We uh, just about every day. Oh. Um, I mean, we're probably, I think, probably the first couple of weeks we've been going through fifteen or twenty gallons a week. Wow! Um, and they make it all in house, you know, a couple times a week, and um, look at getting it co-packed, not only so they don't have to do it, but too so we can we can sell the sauce because we've had quite a few people that have asked about being able to buy bottles of it um, just to take home. 
Well, and speaking of co-packing and bottles, what about the beer? Will that also be out in the market, or is that just only going to be available on the square? Or? I said that I bought the company because of a canning line. I thought right. that, <laughs> so I wanted to get back to that, yeah. Um, you know, initially the, the thought was to get into distribution fairly rapidly, but I can see with the size of our system and the way, the way our beers are going over, that's probably going to have to be pushed back a little bit. Toying with the idea of doing some contract beverage canning just because that's, you know, that kind of stuff excites me. That's what I've done forever was, you know, it was the packaging side of the business and food safety. So um, I, I'm toying with that idea. You, you just don't know. I don't I don't really sit still for very long. I don't, you know, I, my mind's always going in a hundred different directions. And so uh, it's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. It's not if, it's when, just mm-hmm. simply because I don't – I want to make sure we have – we're, we've got our our uh, our wonderful brewery um, taken care of first. Mm. You know, I want to make sure that we have the inventory that we need. We can keep up. We're not going to sacrifice any quality. Just to, we're not going to sacrifice any of our quality to be able to put beer on the shelves. You know, we we want to make sure that we are, we are creating a great product, um, and then uh, then we'll we'll take that step. You know, I've I've got some ideas. Um, probably not. They're they're too much in the infancy to share right now. But you know, we, we're definitely you're going that way. Though we're going that way. Okay. I, I've told Rodney I don't really do anything to stay too awfully small. <laughs> not that I want to you know jump in and try to compete with InBev or, or Boulevard. But you know, okay. I, I just don't believe in you know if, if you ain't growing, you're dying. Well, that, and that's a major trend in the craft beer industry right now. Is um you know late '90s it were. You just had one or two big breweries in your town. Then 2000s came, and then all the little guys started popping up. And then those little guys grew. And sometimes they outgrew their britches and and needed to, uh, you know, they thought that they needed to get their stuff out as fast and to as many places as possible, when actually that proved to be a couple of their downfalls um, in the end, growing too fast. Um, now the trend uh, with this generation four, as I like to call it, of breweries, uh, is everything's kind of focusing way back towards just your community, right? Mm. And, and, and if you can focus on just the two miles around your brewery, um, the goal after that would be just to grow organically. And just whenever, whenever it, the, the cosmos says it's time to, to do it then. Uh, but yeah, like John said, we got to focus on on the people that are coming to our tap room every day, and that's definitely our highest priority. Yeah, yeah and we want to focus on our community. I mean, Liberty's been mm-hmm. Liberty's been great to us. Mm-hmm. Um, City's been fantastic to work with. Um, they have helped us tremendously. You know, showing us some opportunities that we may not have otherwise seen um, to help us get you know get off the ground. Uh, the folks have have been great to work with. The the patrons, you know. Um, I mean, everybody's really, really excited. You know, the buzz is there. I mean, it, it's just incredible to have that support right up front, you know. And, and I think... It's pretty it's, rare, I think. It is. I think it is. But again, Liberty's, you know, it's it's the last city on the north side. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of its own little, little uh, part of Kansas City. Um, it is growing very, very rapidly. Um, it, it's, I think it's becoming more of a desirable place. Not that it wasn't a desirable place to live before, but I just think that, that, uh, as people are migrating to the suburbs, Liberty is becoming a more attractive place to live. They've got a great school system. Um, you know, property values aren't terrible. Taxes aren't terrible. Um, 
and they've got the this really really cool little old downtown. I mean, the people a lot of people don't even know what the Liberty Square is. Historic, and it is. It's historic. It's yeah. the second oldest incorporated city west of the Mississippi in the United States. You know, uh, incorporated in 1829. You know, it's it's an old. So you you can drive through the town, and you see all these just absolutely beautiful, beautiful old homes. And I mean, they've got the, the little plaques on them that they're a century house and says when they were you know what year they were built. And I mean, I've seen some from. There's one a block away from the brewery that was built in 1850. How old is the building the brewery's in? 140 years old. Yeah, 140 yeah. years yeah, old. It was built in 1880, to my knowledge. And we've got the, the deed for it hanging on the wall. It was kind of cool. That is um, cool. Just, now, I mean, there are some some issues with having a 140 year old building that we <laughs> tackled, but hey, you know that's that's just part of the that's part of the game. So, but yeah, it's just such a great community. The people are wonderful, historic, you know, and we've focused on that historic aspect when we've done our build out. You know, we've we've tried to keep it as as original, I guess, as possible. We've got featured a lot of old old historic photos. Um, our lighting was done to kind of go back to that old timey feel. The mm. bar top. I mean, everything was. I mean. It's just a lot of our cabinetry was built by the Amish, so we, you know, again, old time feel. And if you haven't been to Liberty, it's 15 minutes north of downtown Mm -hmm. from the Sprint Center. It's really not far. It's not far. No. You get there in 10 minutes if you drive fast. (laughs) (laughs) Not that we would condone that. And I mean, there's tons of little cool shops. Mm -hmm. There's there's little boutiques. There's, um, you know, there's a couple, there's a spa or two. There's one nickel and suede. I don't know that they're still on the square, but that's where they were. Man, uh, right. That's where they started was right on the Liberty Square. And they've gotten huge. Yeah, yeah. And they've got a great business. Um, There's just a lot, a lot there for people to do. And and, um, there's a great little winery. I can't remember what the name of it is. Belvoir. Belvoir, yep, yeah. Just a you know a mile or two from our place. Uh, my wife and, and Rodney's wife actually, her girlfriend went there uh, two weekends ago. Took an Uber from the brewery and went there for a couple hours and then came back you know, and loved it. Said it was awesome. You know, I uh, had to move home uh, for a couple of months. My family did this summer. Thank goodness my parents could take us in. We were getting housework done, and we hadn't been there, uh, you know, lived there full time for a long time. And the number of local restaurants that have opened up just in the last six months kind of blew me away. There's at Jerusalem Cafe now. There's there's all yeah. these places, and I know everybody that I talk to is so excited about you guys like adding to that list for sure. Yeah the the hype the hype train is is on track that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we no matter where I go, no matter what I do, somebody's always saying uh, you're the three halves guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you wearing this shirt and hat when they say that? Uh, <laughs> usually, yeah. They're all donned in their corresponding <laughs> well, attire. I mean, it's just the food. I mean. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean those these guys are. I mean, it's unreal. I'll reserve my judgment because it's probably a little biased, but I will <laughs> tell you, it's very, very good. I and I, I just can't say enough about it. <laughs> well, thank you. Are you getting reactions to the brisket because it's it, it's different than other barbecue around town? Um, some I think some people, you know, Tyler I think kind of has started to set that standard with that thick Texas style fatty cut brisket. Yeah. But I think definitely it maybe hasn't quite reached up to the Northland as much um but you know when people have it and they try it and you get that just well rendered fat from in there um you know just that buttery texture mixing with the 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 uh, black pepper in it i think people take a bite and they go okay this is this is something different than what you get someplace else well apart from tyler and you is anybody else really doing brisket like that that thick that charred i have one to add to my list okay because I need to try yours. I have not been to Jousting Pigs. It's on my list. And I've had Tyler's and also Tin Kitchen. 
and Weston. Way up north. Those are the only three that were, because I've said this before, I'm not a huge brisket fan because I don't like the thinness and how dry it gets. So when you do it thick, all of a sudden I'm like, I love brisket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, delicious. It, it, yeah, and that is some of the response that we've had. I've had a number of people that have said that they they don't like brisket, but when you get it where it's cut thick and you still have all that that moisture that rendered from the, fat. The, yes, the I rendered love fat, it. and it's got to be rendered right because otherwise, yeah. then it's just tough and chewy, and nobody wants to eat it except for my dog. And uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of the, the rub of it is when you're starting to do the volume that we're doing, making sure that each and every single one of those briskets that's going through that window is of the same quality. And, um, you know, just we've got a great staff that we've hired up and, you know, working with them. It's, you know, it's different than what a lot of them have done in the kitchens that they've worked in previously. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of funny because we've had our, our, the kitchen manager that we've hired I mean, he'll come in every day. I was watching this video on YouTube last night, and it's just, you know, he's gone through and just kind of on his own, just digging in and looking and seeing kind of what what that craft style barbecue is all about and how these things are cutting and how people do it in different, you know, ways that we can kind of improve our processes in the back of the house uh, to make sure that everybody's getting that quality that we want them to have. And I think that's the word that's starting to float out there, which I think is perfect craft barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not about huge, huge volume. It's about doing it right. But it's hard to do it right. And when you're in a volume situation, it's mm-hmm. very different in competition. <laughs> What's the learning curve on that so far? Uh, luckily, we've had the pop-ups that we've been able to do. That was, I think, the biggest thing that that helped us. Um, you know, the first one, it was a train wreck. We didn't have the kitchen set up well. We didn't know what we were doing you know, running on an hour of sleep and, you know, all of those things, it didn't go well. And then the second one, we kind of rearranged the kitchen. We kind of did, we were, we got to do more prep during the week instead of scrambling at the last second to get everything going. And then by the third one, we had um, our kitchen manager, he'd kind of come on and was helping us on Saturdays. And then, you know, just kind of each week we got a little better, a little better, a little better. And that's what we're still trying to do. If there's things that we can do to get just a little better each day, get the ticket times down faster, making sure that everything is of the quality that we want. Cause there's, you know, you can't please everyone, but I'm sure as heck going to try. And, um, so we just kind of keep fighting trying to get better and get staffed up and, you know, to eventually be able to hopefully open on Sundays for chiefs games. And, um, that it's, it's definitely different. Like you were talking about with going from competition where I'm doing, you know, one or two briskets and four slabs of ribs and a couple pork butts and, and 16 chicken thighs for a competition. Now, you know, like today, I think because we're getting geared up for we've got a catering thing for um, the the Rotary Club tomorrow night to kick off Fall Festival. So we've got 28 pork butts on the smoker right now and uh, I think 18 briskets and, you know, just a lot of different things that, you know, it's having to check each one. And um, but also, you know, now. Now that we've got the big pit back, it makes it a little bit easier. You can manage it. We're getting staffed up, so it's not, you know, Rod and I running around trying to do do sides, um, make sure everything's stocked, uh, stocked up, do 50 different things. You know, Rod can kind of sit up there, babysit the pit during the day, keep an eye on everything, and then that, I think, helps the quality a lot as well, being able to just have one person that can focus on that. We've got our great prep staff that making sure we have plenty of sauce and sides and then the the guys on the line that are doing a great job that, 
you know, they can, they're making sure that everything that's going out the door is, is good quality. Yeah. And I think if you go with craft, you got to have a pit master, right? Which is kind of a vanishing breed in a lot of restaurants. So that's great. Yeah. And, and we're hoping to be able to find, you know, a couple people that, that can help us on that front. Um, just cause I mean, it is hard and, you know, Rod and I would like to be able to take a day off here and there. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we've got one guy that we came on and he's, he's been helping us here the last couple of days and just trying to learn as much as we can. And it's just funny, you know, you see him out there and he's got his, his notebook and he's writing down temps and times and when he added a log and all that. And, you know, you watch Rod and I do it because we've done it just so many times now running these stick burners that it's just toss a log in and we know exactly what it's going to do for the most part. But, you know, it is, it is nice to see someone that, you know, when Andrew comes in and he's just taking those notes and really just kind of absorbing all of that and trying to get a couple more people that we can, we can have that can come and kind of do those things and help us out. Absolutely. Um, so what's your wood? You mentioned that I always uh, have to ask this. I'm such a geek. Uh, we use all oak. So, all oak? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Just kind of for, we've used hickory, which I like, but I think it's best on like brisket and pork butts. Mm-hmm. And just kind of with the timing of when we'll have different things on, I don't want to have to train someone to, okay, this is an oak log, and you put it on when we have turkey and ribs and sausage, but then you go over to use the hickory when we just have the briskets and butts, and when things overlap, it just kind of gets gets hairy. I used only pecan for um, competition, but for the quantity that we would need, we're just a little too far north to be able to get it in the amount that we would need. And so, hmm. uh, you know, kind of back to the, the craft style barbecue, you know, you use what's local and what is readily available and there's all kinds of Oak readily available that hmm. we can have, you know, just yeah. endless supply of. Sounds perfect. Oh. So you've got a big wood pile, I take it. Uh, yeah. It, it diminishes every day. <laughs> it's, I think we're, we're right now on track to go through about a cord, a cord and a half a week. So four feet by four feet by eight feet of wow. of wood um but like i said we've got a pretty good supplier that you know he can he'll bring it and deliver it and stack it because we don't have a huge amount of space out back to store it uh because we are looking to get another pit in the pit room just because with kind of some of the demand and wanting to be able to do some catering stuff for like holiday parties and things like that we just we need some additional capacity yeah. Are you taking on catering orders now already, or is it kind of case by case? It's kind of case by case. Uh, you know, the Rotary Club, we agreed to do that because it's, uh, you know, it's a charity event for them. It's right here on the square. Rotary Park's just kind of caddy corner on the square from where we're at. Um, Fall Festival's a big deal in town. Fall Festival is a big deal in town. We've been doing the uh, the pulled pork for uh, the Liberty North High School football games. So oh. they'll do... Wow. Yeah, so they'll... Uh, <laughs> That's, that really ups the game, that, the concession stand <laughs> situation for a football game. Well, it's it's been kind of funny. We did it the first Friday night, and Rod and I were out next to the pit. And, I mean, we had a couple ladies that were walking by and were like, oh, we had your pork last night on the nachos. We'll be in today for lunch. There you and go. So it, Great advertising. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. So I have a, another geek question, but on the beer side. How did you get all the equipment into this old building? Was that difficult at all? It was already there. Oh, it was all yep, already it was there. A, it was a brewery okay. before. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, right. Wasn't set up the way we wanted it, though. So we we've made some you know adjustments. We didn't really we didn't hurt anybody doing it, but it was it was a little dicey at times. Hmm. Uh, we we had a tank that you know was we we had a hook and a ceiling trying to move a tank, and the hook started straightening out. Rodney was underneath that, trying to hold it up, and <laughs> oh my oh. goodness! <laughs> hey, it worked. You got We're all still done. here. It's in place. Yeah. yeah, we haven't had too many major injuries. Broken arm. Probably needed some stitches a time or two, but you just broken arm. 
Oh my goodness, he raised his hand. You broke your arm? Yeah. Yeah. Drop after, the table. after not listening to me. After not listening, John's like, hey, don't don't move those tables. They're really, really heavy. So what do I do? I go grab a hold of like, ah, oh, you know, I'm I'm all of 180 pounds, five foot eleven or ten, whatever. I can I can do this. I've been working hard my whole life. No. Broke my arm. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Healed not up bad. nicely. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was, just, it was just a small little break in my arm. Yeah. Open a brewery, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Yes. <laughs> not yeah. bad. Just a small break. That's all. Just a <laughs> small know. break. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're glad you're healed up. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for coming on. What a fun, fun episode. Thank you for yeah. having us. Our oh, pleasure. Yeah. yeah, thank you. We always love coming out and doing stuff like this. And Jill, thank you very much, and very nice to meet you. And you too, Rodney. Mm -hmm. There you go, True Diligence listeners. Our 32nd episode today. Thanks for listening. Drive up to Liberty. Beer to to toast. Just a quick drive up I 35, Jill. I, I, you know me, I drive everywhere. You do. (laughs) Powell Gardens is not that far, people. There Um, you go. And I, I traverse the city, so you know, like I'm ready to go to Liberty. Let's do it. Craft beer, craft barbecue. Thanks, guys. Better than that. Cheers. Thank you.